Yo, what's up, bro? So, what's good with you, man? I'm all right, man. How you feeling? I'm straight. We out here, oh, here acting like we wasn't just chopping it up for like five minutes before we decided <laughs> to record the podcast. Um, man. So, actually, first, I want to start off with because you always got some about money. What are you? What is Sean doing in the financial world right now? Whether it's like kids or. Uh, school or any of that stuff or the stock market like what are what are you looking at right now uh as of right now with the school year ending down um i'm talking to the students a lot about money before they head off you know into the summer i want them to uh be more aware of what's going on in the world when it relates to like finances um i think i'm, I'm not sure the last time we talked on a podcast um, I actually got the kids involved in stocks. I allowed them to vote on uh, what stock we should buy and hold. I wanted to do this at the beginning of the school year, um, mm-hmm. but because of the whole pandemic, you know, I waited until I was actually face to face with the kids because I tried to talk about it, you know, when I was online, but I felt like they wasn't understanding, so I waited for the, uh, us to come back into the school. So okay. yeah, we we they they voted on Apple, so I threw a thousand dollars in the Apple. Um, mm. It was like seven shares, um, and, and then uh, I, I, I made Mondays Market Monday. I kind of I kind of took that from EYL on your leisure. I love them. Shout out to them. Oh um, yeah, man. Yeah. So so now every Monday uh, we just discuss what's going on with Apple. Like I tell them to keep their eyes and their ears open and tell me what's going on on Monday. You know what Apple, you know, but also keep your ears and eyes open for anything else related to the market. And it's amazing what they bring to the classroom every single Monday. Like I'm pretty sure tomorrow someone's gonna say something that I haven't heard yet. So I love it, bro. That's that's fire. That's real because like you you could potentially, you know, it, it ties into the book that we covering today. In chapter one, you could potentially turn their minds into millionaire minds at an early age. Cause what what grade what grade is it? I got fifth graders this year. Oh man, that's pivotal, dog. They about to go it because they going into the they going into the eras where you know people gonna start selling chips. You know what I'm saying? They can pull that entrepreneur out. I remember when I was a young buck, I was always jealous of everybody else because they were selling chips and stuff, and it was like getting down. I'm like. I'm gonna go ahead and buy these chips because my mama gave me about a dollar. So, you know what I'm saying? They sell them at, you know, a dollar a piece and they like 25 cent bags of chips. You feel me? So yeah. that, that's 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 super, super high margins. So me personally, I ain't I, <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to make it, you know, and, and become financially free like you, big dog. So, you know, I stay in the books and, and that's really why I wanted to talk about the millionaire mind. And so you leading off with your ch- principles from chapter one and how do you feel chapter one guides guides the book so far so um in the man their mind uh by dr stanley in the first chapter he pretty much talks about what he wants to talk about in, in the entire book uh but i pulled out basically three major things that he's going to discuss uh, w- number one, becoming addicted to credit. Mm. Number two, the demographics of millionaires. So that includes the traditional family, uh, the wealth and income, inheritance, 
home style, vocations, and education. And then number three is the success factors, such as integrity, discipline, uh, social skills, supportive spouse, and hard work. Wow. Okay. So uh, we both been addicted to credit, bro. Let's 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 dive into that credit because that that's hard. So what trials have you had with like becoming addicted to credit and how did you, how did you view credit before versus how you view it now? Um, to be honest with you, I would say the first time, uh, I mean, to me, credit loans interchangeable. I would say when we was back in college, you mm. know, when they say, uh, we'll give you a $5,000 loan in my mind back then, I'm like, if I take out 5,000, you know, I just paid back five thousand. I never thought about, um, you know, interest rates. I, I didn't know anything about, it. you know. So that caught me off guard. You know, when I was taking out all the loans that I could, <laughs> bro. You know what I'm saying? Like they, oh yeah, these and those, and, and you know, like what was it? Uh, what was it? What was the difference between the two sets of loans? There was like a uh, one that they had two different types of loans, and I wouldn't read none of them. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying to recall which one you're talking about. Give me a second, it'll pop in my head. And I didn't know it. I, I got it. Subsidized and unsubsidized loans, bro. What's the difference between subsidized and unsubsidized loans? You about to school me if you can pop this one out. If you can't, we about to go to the old Google and we're gonna check this out together. All right. So I want to say I haven't looked up the uh, difference between subsidized and unsubsidized and uh since I graduated. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I want to say um, the difference between the unsubsidized and the subsidized loan has to deal uh, with the interest rates. So you know how you're able to um, do like loan forbearance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So like you could do deferments and loan forbearance. I want to say it was the subsidized loans that doesn't accumulate the um interest and then the mm -hmm. unsubsidized I, I might be i might flip the rule no 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 you yeah. you're on bro let me yeah, i'm gonna bring up the screen yeah i'm gonna bring up the screen real quick Hold on. yeah bro uh you you 100 right because right there it says it talks about the subsidized versus the unsubsidized loans and, you know, the real thing about it is, is we got to start talking to these kids about it because, you know, anybody that watches this podcast, somebody right now to this day is right now filling out their loan application, trying to get on them loans. And so it's crazy because the direct subsidized. Yeah. So the government covers you basically until you graduate and you get off their dime mm -hmm. on the interest and the unsubsidized loan. You got interest already accruing, bro. Mm -hmm. Like. The, the stories out here is just crazy. It's ridiculous. So somebody, there was a girl crying. So I watched that. Remember, so I told you to watch that next Netflix uh, documentary. Mm -hmm. It was about, uh, let me see. It's about money. And uh, like, it, it's life changing because it, it goes over gambling. It goes over all that stuff. And it was literally people on there crying because they was like, they was paying, making payments every month. It ended mm -hmm. up owing more than what they took out. Bro, that's foul. You know what I'm saying? Like, you taking an 18 year old, 18, 19 year old that don't know nothing about money, and you giving them where. So, somebody put it like this We're on God's green earth. Can you go get <laughs> a man, 100,000 
a $500,000 loan for anything besides college. Like, and people don't talk, when they talk about credit, they talk about the credit cards, but they don't talk about anything else. Like that's, that's the wildest thing. Uh, and, and, and that's kind of disturbing. Yeah, it's called uh, Money Explained. So to any of the listeners that, that tune in, uh, Money Explained on Netflix is a documentary that was released in tw- 2021 recently. This this month. Okay, so it was new. That's why it popped up. But uh, it, it's kind of crazy. It just goes over like everything from slot machines to credit cards to how they make money off of you. Like there were I started to cringe because, you know, we both listen to Dave. And I started to cringe when they started talking about like, oh, yeah, he this one dude had over 100 credit cards, but he's good at managing. So he knows everything about everything. And I'm like, I just don't have that much discipline, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's weird. It's like I could get discipline to go do, you know, wake up and work out. But you see the money, the money's not attached to the dollar signs. And that's that's why a lot of people get caught up in that credit, you know? So so that's really tough. Um so on your journey through to because you don't have any student loans anymore. No, I don't. So on your journey to like getting rid of those student loans, what did you start to wipe out first? Uh, Well, when you when you refer to what do I wipe out first, you mean like including credit card debt? Oh, including both of them. That's cool. Okay. Slow on that. So the only thing that I had was uh, credit card debt and student loan debt. And the very first thing I took out was the, uh, I took out the credit card debt because one, it was smaller. Uh, I think I owe about $4,000 at that time, mm-hmm. trying to get my car together. But that also had the highest interest rate. Wow. So I wanted to take that one out first. And I knew that my student loans would take the longest because that was 50000 you know? So I had to make an entire plan for that. Um, you know, teach for five years, get eighteen thousand dollars forgiven, and then save up the other thirty. That wow. was like that was my plan. Okay, okay. So you started with the credit card debt, and I think that's important for a lot of people to understand. Is it's not? I just finished uh, Tim Grover's book, Winning. It's not really about the process as much as it is getting a W, and. He trained Michael Jordan. He trained Kobe. He trained like all these greats. He's currently working with Russell Wilson and mm-hmm. the uh, NFL quarterback. And he talks about no matter what you're doing, go get a, the first W. And the first W is what we talk about this in this intro is the credit card. You know what I mean? Like that's huge, bro. That it's crazy how pivotal it is. And then I don't know if you had the same feeling, but as soon as I started rolling, like I was, I was good. I'm like okay. I could do this, you know, like Dave talks about it a lot. He's like, you can do it. You can whoop that credit's butt, but you can't, you know, send a lot to whoop you. So, so that's, that's super important. And it, so you talked about 18 grand and soon loan forgiveness. What is, what was that? Um, it was, I'm, I'm trying to remember the specific name for it, uh, because it's two different kinds. The one that I did, it was because I taught for five years, but it's another one where like, if you do some type of non-for-profit in uh, like, like uh, an underserved community, it all gets forgiven, but you have to make 120 qualifying payments. I wasn't about to 
do 120 qualified payments. I even asked him, I called him up. I'm like, can I just do 120 qualified payments right now? Like, you know, can mm -hmm. I just drop the whole thing? They're like, no, that's not how it works. You have to do it every month. And I didn't want to have my student loans over my head for 10 years. I, Bro, I, yeah. yeah, I'd just rather pay it off. And, that's crazy. And, uh, that's like they're trying to get you on top of getting you. Yeah, so like we gonna get this bread. Get it to get forgiven. In ten years, I've read stories about people who thought that they, you know, was making their one hundred and twenty uh, qualified payments, but then it wasn't under a particular um, payment plan. Like it should have mm -hmm. been under the uh, income driven repayment plan and some other type of payment plans. But apparently, they were doing the standard or something like that. Wow. So it was like, sorry, you know, none of those qualified as the payment towards the forgiveness. So basically, you got to do another 10 years. That's 20 years, man. Bro, people out here getting fleeced. Nah, I wasn't going to be me, man. Straight fleeced, bro. Like, what yeah. kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like, where they do that at? You know, like, people already don't really read when they get the loans anyway, bro. They just see dollar signs and money. And you, you asking, you asking, a bunch of generations that have been uneducated literally mom and dads a lot of them don't know what the college system looks like now because they assume that you can just get a job and pay it off because they've been at the same jobs and a lot of the same gigs for 10 20 30 years right so you get caught up in that like monotonous trigger you look up and student loans are sky high but their whole life they're tied into this this stigma of you know get a job, you know, go to work, go to college. You got to go to college. You got to get a degree. And I'm like, the first conversation that you ever need to have, especially when it comes to like credit and stuff like that is how are we going to pay for this degree? Because I just had somebody on the podcast like last week and she was, you know, we were talking about, you know, she's debt free and she's an army officer. And because she got a scholarship through the ROTC program, to go active duty, bro. So that means she got everything paid for, for just staying fit and then doing her service time. And as an officer, she gets more pay, right? And so, but nobody ever really discusses that in, you know, our communities, you know? And that's hard. And that, that this is not even talking about like a black and brown community. This is talking about white communities. This is talking about like every racist community because you have a lot of people, you know, even a lot of people with fair skin that are very well off, but their kids are in $500,000 worth of debt. And we're not talking about from a house. Like I got homeboys, this is for a degree and they ain't even get the degree. That's the hardest part. Like, do you remember that scandal not too long ago where people was paying for their kids to go to like certain schools? Did you hear yeah, about that? With uh, the girl from Pool House. You talking about that one? Yeah. Yeah. Did oh, she get jail time? Didn't she get locked up for that or something? <laughs> yeah, she did. Bro, that's got to be wild. Like, yeah. you know, she was in a good jail. Like, hey, you know, there ain't no way yeah. they putting. But, like, it's weird. Like, I would have even thought, like, just based off her stardom, she could have pulled some screen, like, hey, homie, you know what I'm saying? Like, without the bread. You feel me? Like, either way, it's crazy because nobody values free. And that brings it back to the credit. There's that 360 again because. When you get free money, you don't value that. Like somebody was just talking about on social media how a lot of people try to sell their TVs and stuff because of the beer bug. 
we're gonna call it that because i heard that youtube like to flag videos but uh <laughs> the beer bug like people got these checks now they trying to sell the tvs and everything that they didn't got the unemployment is slowed down you're gonna start seeing more people looking for work but a lot of people got so much pride and man sean credit comes from a lot of pride trying to impress a lot of people that you don't even like especially in college i don't know if you got caught up in that you know what i'm saying but like i was just buying stuff trying to look fly not checking the budget you know what i'm saying yeah. i'm like and these people don't even like you bro you know what i'm saying like that's why i gravitate to, to cats like you that's doing different money moves because i'm like that's now that's my language that's my yeah. language so this next principle that we were talking about with the introduction um so demographics so what did you pull from you know demographics as far as so when it comes to inheritance what is what is a pivotal part that you got from inheritance in the book um so let's see and i hope you don't mind i have my no nah, you good bro do your thing uh so when we talk about the demographics they were talking about um the, the based off of the millionaires that they surveyed what were some commonalities between them and i'll just read a few before jumping into the inherited wealth so okay. for instance it says uh, a traditional family i am a 54 year old male i have been married to the same woman for 28 years one in four of us has been with the same spouse for 38 or more years on average, we have three children. Most of us, 92% are married, and those married, 95% have children. Only 2% of us have never been married. About 3% are widowed. And it's a ton of references to, towards percentages um, based off of the millionaires that were studied. Um, but just to jump into one of the questions you asked about the inherited wealth, I'll read those two bullet points. We live in fine homes and quality neighborhoods, but only 2% of us inherited all or any part of our homes and property. So a lot of people believe that people who have money, it was all given to them. But based off of this book in 2001, mm -hmm. um, it says that only that was only 2%. Well, and, and that's the, you know, that's that's crazy. That's the beautiful part about Charles, uh, uh, Thomas Stanley is... Let me put some respect on the doctor's name, Doctor Thomas J. Stanley. Um, is he spent his life becoming a millionaire doing the research with the data, and like out of all the data and the research, you know, it's crazy because people like to spin this narrative, you know, about money and like how you people inherited or they trying to get rich or you know, like they got just got all this money, but scared money don't make money. You get what I'm saying, mm -hmm. and so. When you talk about like getting inheritance, a lot of times you can make more money over a lifetime by being intentional, like Dave talks about, and looking at better ways to make money. Because a lot of it, it's not, and, and the funny part is, as we dive deeper into the book um, in the next few episodes, a lot of a lot of the, the workers were blue collar workers. They weren't college cats like us. In fact, there was really, there was some correlation between college and education but a lot of it came down to putting the money into yourself and that ties into success factors. Um, so when it comes to success factors, so some of the things that you, you listed and named off integrity, discipline, 
social skills, supportive spouse and hard work. You know, a lot of people don't think that millionaires work. They don't think that that they grind. You know, it's like it's very interesting because you have the emergence of TikTok. And I'm glad that you talk to your, your kids about money because they can see all these, you know, they got this challenge where they talk about uh like how much you think we make or look at my house and you know the kids walk through the house and show the balling. But the thing is is those kids ain't balling. The parents are. And this generation is gonna have like a hard wake up call when they automatically don't get that same amount of balling. Cause what happens is in a lot of like um in a lot of family dynamics, you get a lot of people that like they assume that their parents wealth is their wealth. I think they call it uh, uh, outpatient care in the book. They they talk. He, he calls it outpatient care. And the problem with outpatient care is it doesn't help the patient in any way, shape or form. And you, you talked about spouses and you're going to cover the spouse uh, chapter when we get there. But mm-hmm. when you talk about spouses, as, as a male, you can really get wrapped up. Cause a lot of people, you know, a lot of people want to take the route. Like, okay, yeah, her dad got money. So I'm gonna get the company, but here's the problem. You go, if the company goes, says this or that, you got to deal with that dude every day at dinner, talking about how you're going to fire you and how depressed and sad you are because you work for him and it's his daughter's money. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then that ends up creating a friction in a relationship because she's used to daddy taking care of her because they're so wealthy. And then now you can't provide that. So she leaves more and more on daddy. And it's like, okay, now what? Right? Like, what were we really into this for? So that, that's super powerful. So I just wanted to kind of, you know, in this episode, I wanted to give like a brief synopsis of where we were going to go uh, with the chapters and everything. And I think that it, it's, it's super powerful that we have the real conversations because people aren't having real conversations. And I also want to say, bro, I'm super proud of you. Like, I hope that you carry on the journey with them kids because it starts in the home. But unfortunately, parents got to work so much and try to pay off credit and debt and, you know, all that stuff that they don't get to have those conversations with their kids because they don't think their kids understand. But their kids know. Sean, I know you know that the kids know because they be yeah. looking at different things, especially in Chicago. They probably try to come in with fresh mics and everything. Oh, you already know. Yeah, bro. So um, just, you know, to the podcast audience, I hope you stay tuned for our next Proactive Pragmatism, the review of The Millionaire Mind. We come in with chapter two. We're going to set it off, bro. So before we end, you know what I'm saying, in the episode, you got anything you want to address or talk about? Uh, Let me see. Let me just do a quick flip. Um... Uh, um, let me see. Is there anything in particular? Ooh, I like I like the part I like the part on page thirteen where they were talking about the average GPAs. Ooh, um, we gotta talk about this, man. We gotta no, talk. That's real. That's real. So so okay. We'll we'll start. We'll put we'll put it out on the table. What was your GPA? So m- let's see. In college, my yeah. college GPA. I ended with a 2.99. Bruh, I ended up with like a 3.1. But I grind because (laughs) I I messed up my freshman year. My freshman year, my GPA, when I ended freshman year, was a 
Uh, 2.08. I said I would never forget that number. Oh, you was out there hustling. That hustling, was my, hustling. That was my first year. After my first year, because I was dropping classes and just failing classes, and it, it was too. It was terrible. Well, I was, you got. I, I was wasting money. Well, you got to think about it. You, the dollar's not attached to you when you fail in the class. You think about sleep and and not doing that. You know what I'm saying? Snoozing yeah. in the back of the class, a little turn up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was coming to class late, man. It, I thought eight a.m. would be easy because I did it in high school. Man, I let you know I was shooting pool all the time and playing cards till about two o'clock in the morning. And oh, then you out there. Eight a.m. I ain't feel like getting none. I started going in late. I, right. I had to drop that class. And I'm math good. is my favorite subject. That's what I teach now. Wow, wow, that's funny. So, so what? So, what about the GPA stuck out to you? Um, so let me go ahead and read off a few. So they were talking about uh, the academic measures, which is the they they, they use the mean, and mm-hmm. if you're going with the mean is or the audience is when you add up um, you add up all of the all of the numbers and then divide by the total number of numbers there are. So first, let's start off with the business owners and entrepreneurs, and remember these are all millionaires. So. 32% of the millionaires that were um, surveyed, they had an average GPA of 2.76. And then they also talk about SAT scores. I'm gonna be honest, I took the ACT, so I don't know how to really relate these scores to the ACT. I had to Google it later. Um, but the business owner entrepreneur had an SA, a average SAT score of a, a 12.35. And then when it comes to the senior corporate executives, which is 16% of millionaire survey, the average GPA was a 2.93 with a SAT score of a 1211. Wow. When it comes to attorneys, which are 10% of millionaires survey, their average GPA was a 3.04 with a SAT score of a 1262. Wow. Physicians, they make up 9%. A GPA was a 3.12, SAT score a 12.67, and then other is 33%. So these are teachers and other professionals. 2.96 for the GPA and the SAT score of a 10.96. I'm sorry, a 10.90. And across the board, when it comes to 100% of the millionaire survey, the average GPA was a 2.92 with an average SAT score of uh, 1190. Wow. So you know that that you know what that tells us, right? We can do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Based on the averages, it's not the people that's getting 4.0s that are millionaires. It's just average GPA between the a two and a three. <laughs> well, and it, it ties to Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? Because in Rich Dad Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki talks about that. Um because I was listening to a podcast like a couple of weeks ago and he was just saying like there's certain there's a certain amount of grit attached to somebody who is is not brilliantly gifted and see there's this um there's a psychologist tied to people who are like super smart is a lot of people they'll stay in the same realm because they're super smart and super smart is comfortable for them so they don't go and evolve and try to learn anything and then it's also easy for a lot of people who are highly intelligent, you know, shout out to them because that takes a lot, right? 
it's easy for them to just do a little bit and get by and focus on mastering like one thing that's not really that important. But since they went down that rabbit hole and they haven't had to diversify and struggle, you know, or, you know, and, and, and a lot of that GPA is tied to people were tied to other things, because I believe there was a, a part in the book where they talk about like um, a guy was he was taking night classes at the same time as he was trying to run a business. And so everything that he was learning in business, he was able to implement, you know, from those night classes. And that's powerful because it shows that like y'all listeners out there who struggle with money and like and, and opportunities and stuff like that, like you have a great future ahead of you if you follow that with passion. Because later in the book, they talk about investment. And they talk about how you should invest in yourself, in your business, in what you do. And investing in yourself ties to you know wellness. It ties to the the physical. Um, it ties to the mental. Um, just all over, right? Treating your body right so you can produce. Because I mean, it's just crazy. Like I remember one time you you talked about how my YouTube channel had evolved. You know, I was real fired up, and now I'm more calm. Well, it's like I realized I don't. It's cool if I get up at four. I can be very very productive, but I can also be very very productive at six if i balance my day right some things might have to slide to the left or the right but you start to find and i don't want to say balance because there's when you're pursuing a passion there's really no balance but let's be honest you can't balance everything at the same time that's why like we're on the same mindset like you brought zora when we was you know go go out and have a good time that was your way of balancing what you wanted to do and balancing your network at the same time that was super smart because often when i go to the when i go to the land i'm like i'm gonna visit a friend and i'm gonna see sean and i'm gonna you know go do something else you know what i'm saying so it's a power trip but it helps you get back to the grind and what you're passionate about because the beautiful part that you talked about with the students is like you just be focused on your craft dog that's what i respect the most about you is like you focus on your craft and then zora popped up it's like hey oh hey <laughs> that's the type of energy that you need on your team and i want i want you know the listeners to pay attention is like the reason why sean is on this podcast right now the reason why i'm on this podcast right now is because we're creating a circle and that circle becomes powerful and when you start reading books like the millionaire mind you start applying that the knowledge every single day so was there any other points you wanted to you know cover before we wrapped up uh no not the chapter one that's pretty much it okay all right y'all we appreciate y'all checking into the podcast you know just you know stay tapped in like subscribe to the youtube channel facebook all of that we're gonna be discussing the rest of the chapters i believe there's 10 chapters in the entire book uh but you know we always learning we always always growing if you got any feedback you can reach us at propreg20 at gmail.com Yo, this has been Tommy and Sean with the Proactive Pragmatism, the review of The Millionaire Mind.